Hey guys, welcome to the Better Way Podcast, where we have conversations about anything and everything pertaining to following Jesus in everyday life. Our hope is that the discussions that we have here would challenge your faith and encourage you in your relationships with God, people, and the world around you. On today's episode, I sit down with a special guest, Matt Brayton, and have a down-to-earth conversation about following Jesus in the monotony of everyday life. Matt shares a little bit about his story in growing up in rural Connecticut, his own experience with church in his childhood years, and his growing passion for following Jesus in the everydayness of life through different spiritual practices. If you know Matt, then you know that he's a deep well of wisdom and just as deeply genuine and kind, which in my opinion is a rare combination. And so it's my pleasure to bring you this conversation with my friend, Matt Brayton. So Matt, thanks so much for being on the show today. Excited to have you here as we have a conversation about discipleship, spiritual growth, and following Jesus in the modern age. But before we dive into that conversation, I'd love for you to just introduce yourself to the listeners with just a few opening kind of bio questions. Sure. So like, who are you? Uh, where did you grow up? If, if it wasn't here in Greenwood, South Carolina, uh, what led you here? And then just share kind of maybe some family dynamics and what you do vocationally for work. Sure. Well, it won't take you long to figure out I'm not from here necessarily, <laughs> right? So a lot of us are imports. Um, originally, I'm from Connecticut, and uh, we've been here, Kitty and I, uh, probably about, boy, now I don't, I don't remember, um, feel like 18 years. Mm. Um, so we pretty much raised our kids here. And um, anyway, so, so I grew up in Connecticut in a rural northeast corner uh it's called the the quiet corner um you know on a hill called brayton hill uh, where my my uh my father and uh two uncles and an aunt and my grandparents lived so um it it gradually my it was my dad who you know when he tells a story he found found the property he was looking even before he got married he always wanted to live uh in, in woodstock somewhere and was looking for a place to to stretch out, he grew, they grew up kind of in the in the city in New York, and uh, so so trying to head out and and uh, and they had to, they had, there was a place there was some family out there on a on a lake it's really more like a pond especially compared to uh, Greenwood yeah. now that that's a that's a that's An a lake, lake yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's huge uh, these were little 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 ponds and uh, we had some family who had uh, I think I had a uh, like an uncle or a great uncle who was. Uh, a pastor at one of the churches uh, in town. And so this is not, if I said Woodstock, this is not the Woodstock of, of concert. Okay. Fame, New York. That's, <laughs> that's New where York. my mind went. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, no. Um, but probably just as rural and kind of small at the, at the time. Um, and it still is. So it was a, uh, idyllic life growing up. Um, had lots of cousins. I, I, I have, uh, three siblings. I'm the oldest, and uh, really, my, my brother and I are about a year and a half apart. And then there's a space of five to ten years, and all of a sudden, all these cousins start cropping up. <laughs> and, and so we, you know, played around in the woods. And, you know, uh, you know we, were, we were left out, you know, until, until dinner time. And our mother would kind of shuffle us out and, you know, click. The oh, door yeah. would close. <laughs> the lock would, yeah. would uh, snap shut. And uh, she'd be like, don't come back till dinner. And so we just spent a lot of time outside. I really love uh, being outside. And that's one of the things 
Um, I love, we both do, Kitty and I, about South Carolina, minus the, you know, the, the maybe two months that are unbearable in, <laughs> in the heat. But, Lee, you know, you got AC. Yeah. And so um, we just spend more time indoors. But outside, we just love being outside. So so that's that's kind of where, where I grew up. Um, I moved here for Lander. I started looking for uh, work in the southeast. Kitty always, I think, was interested in moving Mm-hmm. Moving to the southeast somewhere, she had relatives in um, in Georgia, near in Atlanta, near Atlanta. I got into IT related, data related job. I love working with data, building databases, and so I came to Lander. It just just uh, opened up, and we've we've been here ever since, and nice. really love it there. So that's that's essentially what I do. I do mostly like charts and graphs, yeah, <laughs> and okay. and work with data for decision making, gotcha. and that's a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Brayton Hill of The Quiet Corner. Is that what you said? <laughs> I, just, I just love all those. Yeah, things. yeah. Brayton it, Hill. Well, yeah. The Quiet Corner of Connecticut. I, I just, guess. I don't they know. call that. It just felt like a, like a fictional land. It does. Brayton yeah, Hill of could, The Quiet Well, there Corner, could be lots of stories. I love that. Sure. Uh, so kind of transitioning into more, more of our discussion today, uh, when did you, when did you take a sincere interest in Jesus Christ? Was it, was it in quiet corner? Was it later <laughs> in life? And then kind of like, how did that happen? Or what did, what did that begin to look like in your life when, when Christ really grabbed a hold of your, your heart? Well, fortunately, um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and so, um, they, I don't, I don't really have a moment where there's this, there, you know, a time when my life was completely different after, sure. you know, this mm-hmm. this conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just kind of grew grew into it, and I, you know, there's these punctuated moments of where you know, faith was renewed, but I've I've never really not known God. I, I can't think of a time when I didn't know Him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I've always had a love for for God and it was and and for for scripture I had people who I for I was fortunately we raised in I think what some people refer to as the hippie church mm-hmm. I didn't know it at the time it was evangelical free church but okay. you know they 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 uh, fixed up an old barn and uh, we played lots of great music praise music when it was first coming out just guitars that's where I learned how to play you know bass it was yeah. just surrounded by music and people who were genuine and uh, seeking and really um you know sincere about their faith and so it was real to me what i saw in the lives around me it was it was a real thing and it was it was the water i kind of uh, grew up in and so it was it was fun it was just my brother and i were were the youth group for for many years so <laughs> we we hung around with the adults a lot the relationships uh, i you know i built with with even adults there everyone just it was a family mm. and it was a small church and and uh and so yeah, I don't have a, a moment, you know, that I look back to. I think there are are moments of, I guess, recharging. I just love, I love the way that you 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 answered. Just the conversion, conversion. wasn't this night right. day no thing. It was just more. I like yeah. how you said punctuated moments. It was kind of mm-hmm. moments of recharging. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I feel very similar. I didn't I didn't have that that night day difference. That flip of a light switch kind of experience. It was much more of this gradual growth over time. So yeah, kind of kind of transitioning into this topic today, we're going to be talking about uh, discipleship, spiritual growth, um, what it looks like to actually follow Jesus in the modern age. So Matt, you've been coming here for how many years, New Covenant Church? More than 15, More than yeah, 15? I mean, yeah. 15, 16 years. So, you know, I've been here for 
going on eight years and we have, we've had, you know, several conversations, but I, I've kind of discovered the more conversations that we've had, the more that I've just seen some similar passions, mm-hmm. uh, between you and I just had some really good conversations yeah. specifically around this, this topic of discipleship. Right. And this word discipleship is in my opinion, one of many words, uh, that if you've grown up in the church for any amount of time, it's kind of become stale. It's kind of become over, overworn, overused. And because of that, it's kind of lost some of its meaning. So I, I'd love to kind of put some body around it in terms of like when, when you hear that word discipleship, when we're talking about discipleship to Jesus, what runs through your mind? How could you put some kind of concrete things around that? When I think of discipleship, it seems very purposeful, but it's also this kind of handing down of the traditions of the, of the faith, right? So if, it's, if you're kind of new to that, I would think that's what that that means you're yeah. you're you're helping someone follow a series of of practices you're introducing them to the kind of traditions mm-hmm. whether that's of a particular particular church and ways of uh living out your faith that's that's what i think yeah um and so how that but i, I can't say i've ever been in a discipleship program sure that i felt was more kind of scaled scaled up it was always one-on-one and so you know, it's interesting, the, the whole discussion here about spiritual practices is started with, you know, what is that, that question? You know, what, yeah. what is discipleship? And is this it, what we were doing? And, and you know, a few a couple of years ago, I think there was a discipleship class, mm-hmm. right, or series, mm-hmm. and men and women, and then they would split off. There would be a kind of an introductory devotion or, or lesson, and then after we'd break off into separate Male, female, kind of groups for sharing, and that time just it just went like that, and it never seemed like we got. It, it was great. It was kind of prayer and share time, and uh, but it was not discipleship in the end. It was we were sharing time mm. and experience, but we weren't we weren't learning any new practices, anything like that. Okay, and I, I at the end of that, I was like, I feel like. That needed to be more. I said, I don't know, it's just me. Yeah. But it seems like I came in with expectations. Yeah. Discipleship meant something yeah. like more. Like I would, more than just a small group, prayer and share, more than just a Bible study even. Mm-hmm. And I think every Christian has some of that or should. You know, what, what does transformation look like? Mm-hmm. And how do you get there? And discipleship seems to me the path to that, right? Mm-hmm. So I love that. You, you, you talk about discipleship pathways. Yeah. It is a way. It is a yeah. way of, of doing things, a way of thinking that, that leads you to some transformations. And so, you know, now I will probably get to it, but I, I'm interested in taking a, what we have in a small group and dedicating time to practices that are more discipling in, in, in nature. They are transformative practices that have been around for for ages. This seems so, um, this idea of like, yeah, discipleship requires intentional practices, concrete things that need to be taking place in order to be a true, genuine, growing disciple. It seems so obvious, but it's like not. Growing up, I don't know where I acquired it. I guess what was communicated to me was that when you place your faith in Jesus, you will just become a disciple. It will just happen. I don't know. Like, like I just kind of thought the more time I get in this being a Christian thing, I'm naturally going to grow. I'm naturally going to become more Christ-like. 
and I don't really have to think strategically through it. I don't really have to, like, yes, there was the common pray and read your Bible. Like, we always heard that, and we still always hear that, and we should. Like, those are good things, obviously, very, very good things. But that was kind of the extent of it, and it was like, okay, if I pray, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to wake up one day and just be a saint. I'm going to be, <laughs> right. like, yeah. that's all there is to it. And now kind of through what you, how you just answered and, and the more that I've just devoted time to it, it's just, it, it's not complicated, but it isn't, it doesn't need, need to be intentional. Um, this idea of discipleship. So at the church kind of, we've tried to bring it down to a very simplistic way of understanding like, okay, what does it mean to be a disciple? And it's not original to us. There's other churches that use this, but to be a disciple means to be with Jesus to become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did. So looking at scripture, I feel like that's that's a pretty good pretty good summary. My my question for you is is twofold with those three things I just said. If we could agree that it's someone that's devoted to being with Jesus, becoming like him and then doing what he did. Your experience of church and by church I just mean like larger modern church, um not necessarily new covenant church, just church in general. When you think about those three components to following Jesus, which do you think we emphasize, um, if any, and which do you think we don't emphasize as much, or like kind of how do you feel about those three things and how we address them? <laughs> so uh, I'm going to ask you to define your terms, Adam. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so of those three things, and maybe I'll, I'll put this back on you for a second uh-huh. because I think it, those are really good questions, but to be with Jesus— Become like Jesus, uh, do what Jesus did. What of those three things? What do you think is the hardest? I would say, I mean, it's it's the the latter two kind of seem similar, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a becoming like right. him, but then there's a doing what he did. I think like right. the becoming like him, I think is more internal. It's an internal thing happening. So you got to spend time with Christ, and then as you spend time with Christ, then you end up becoming like him internally. Your 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 desires, your affections are beginning to be transformed. And then from that place, then you go out and you you actually do what he did in in the world among people. But I guess in terms of the the most difficult for me has been the the second one, become like Jesus, that inner work. Yeah, um, that's been the most difficult yeah. for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I asked that because yeah. that first question to me is a is a hard one, mm-hmm. right? So to to be with Jesus, what does that look like? I don't know that we know what that means. I agree. And I think 100%. we're scared of that. I'm certainly scared of that. There's a part of me that's like, mm, I can I can identify in the Bible what Jesus was like. Yeah, and I, I I can do that. Yeah. I've tried to follow him, but to meet with him, you that's know, right. in, in prayer and silence, right, there's such and, a difference. Yeah, and I between. I do feel like the part of us, and and I'll speak for myself. I can't speak for for anyone else or the, or the, or the church, heaven forbid, but, the, uh, but for myself, it's, yeah, there's part of me holding back. Mm. And maybe I'm a little scared to, to, uh, to, to hear his, his voice, you know, whatever that may sound like. I've yeah. never heard his voice, like, audibly, sure. okay? Yeah. But I, I do sense uh, his, his, his presence. I do sense his working all around, the way things happen, yeah. um, and the way— answers to prayer happen but it requires paying attention Mm. i think that's where these these practices discipleship practices come into play is actually carving out the time Mm -hmm. and and being in the presence and being open to that it sounds like open to it absolutely being open to it let's like okay let's that might be where where people want to start is do do you do you want to encounter do you want to do you really want that you say you do but do you really want that? Is it easier to read the Bible and 
kind of like study Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. You can read the Bible and be like, oh, I'm learning things about 100%, this 100%, because he's Jesus. out there. He's, he's on paper, so to speak, him, yeah. right? That's right. And there's a, very, there's a big difference between, okay, now I'm going to try to commune with him. I'm going to try to actually right. Right. encounter him. Yeah, and he's going to get involved in your life, yeah. right? That's and scary. Your that's habits. daunting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. So your question was... Kind of among the three, which... Oh, yeah. Well, that, that one there, I think, is misunderstood. Misunderstood, yeah. The most, what that means. And I think that's I think that's key, because the key to transformation is not that we can do it ourselves. No, yeah. I think Gotta we've shown there. that that's not the case, right? Because yeah. I, I do believe we know, we feel pretty good about what Jesus is like. What would Jesus do? We, we have a good sense of that, but it hasn't been enough. Yeah. And I think what's missing is is the power mm. of, you know, the Holy Spirit and being part of that. And and uh, do we spend enough time with him? Are we really open to it? I feel part of us holds back. And so that's, a, yeah. that's something that needs to be kind of broken through, broken down. And I think that's the kind of thing that takes time, mm-hmm. right? I think that takes time. You just, it's not like after one uh, or, or a series of, of lessons, that's going to, you're going to break that in somebody, yeah. you know, to where they're, they're finally open to allowing Jesus to move and the spirit mm. to move in them, um, in their lives. So I think it's, I think you need more time. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're trying out here. So what kind of what we're looking at with this, this group is it's a, it's a work group. It's yeah. a workshopping discipleship focused, you know, group. And, you know, I don't, we don't, I don't have all the answers. Uh, I've got a lot of resources and we've got some practices that have worked for centuries yeah and so uh and and they and we know they work and i trust they do work because they depend on on the trinity yeah so for those that don't know when we're referencing this group matt matt brayton's going to be leading a a discipleship group in the fall uh kind of in conjunction with our community groups this is going to be a separate group that really focuses on what we're talking about faith in practice how do we how do we walk out our faith and matt's going to be kind of leading that and guiding that but kind of circling back to this this, if it must start with being with Jesus, if that's where we have to begin, what can it look like? What does it look like to be with Jesus? Well, um, you know, I'll, f- I'll focus on who we want to be. And that is, you know, when we're in the presence of Jesus, if wherever we go in life, we, just that understanding and truly coming to terms of the fact that he's with us now, mm-hmm. right? You know, we don't have to necessarily call him. He's, he's right there, yeah. you know, so it'd be like... <laughs> You know, we ask, we ask you, you know, Lord Jesus, come, come today, come with us, yeah. join us. And he's like, I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, I've been here, here the whole time. I'm right here. <laughs> and, and so really come to terms with that. And wherever we go, that he is welcome with us to go. That, that mindset that he is. I mean, if we could just shadow, you know, it reminds me of, I think in high school, there was this, this thing that to give girls in, in high school a sense of what it was like to have a baby, they would take around an egg all day. You know, and they were responsible for it. And I think it was an egg. I have to ask Kitty what it was. (laughs) But it was like, you're going to take this around with you. And it was, you became your conscientious of the fact that this thing was always with you. Yeah. And, you know, you couldn't just leave it somewhere, you know, and and you you were responsible for it. And it was, it was always there in the same way, you know, Jesus is with us the whole time. We we haven't escaped from him. We're not, you know, we've left the garden, so to speak, but Uh he's still... He's still with us if we're professing Christians. And so, well, who would you be then if yeah, he's there with you the whole time? That's, to me, what motivates, you know, that's the objective. 
of transformation. So, so what are some of the counter practices? I love the the egg illustration. With the, <laughs> like, how how do we in a in a culture like you just said that is just inundating us with information, whether it's social media feeds, news sources, or just relationships at work, family drama, whatever, all these stimuli that that can disrupt the reality that the God of the universe is in us, that he's with us at all times. And, and it takes our mind off that reality because we're so focused on these other things. Right. Yeah. What, what proverbial egg can we carry with us to, to help us remember that first right. and foremost, you know, if, if there's practices, like what are some things, what are some counter practices that we can do to, to more faithfully be mindful of that? Right. Right. So uh, number one is, is the time. So when we we're meeting with our, our children taking time, you know, with other people. You know, our bodies and minds are there. We're present. We're active. We're listening, right? And it's, it's the it's the same with um, taking time with God, and uh, and and then of course, kind of the the practices of sitting quietly, of you know, attentiveness to God, to to praying, you know, in a way where we are really praying honestly to telling the truth right mm-hmm. sounds these things sound very simple but in practice when you think about them and you catch yourself and was I being really truthful there when I said that when I criticize myself you know you know you idiot you know am I am I really an, an idiot what's yeah. going on here you know yeah. is it is it, it was a dumb thing to do maybe but I'm not an idiot you mm-hmm. know so even ways we self-criticize or criticize others um the way we feel about certain things, we, we have to pay attention to that and 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 remember what who we are in, in in God's eyes. And it's you know obviously you you have to come up for air. You've got you can't be you know reading and praying all day long. Sure. You have yeah. to go into the world and all that. But I think He gives us you know between like the Sabbath and the first fruits, He wants the first part of everything, right? So I mm-hmm. I, I love that because. You could do that. You can say, okay, the first thought when I get out of bed is is God. Is mm-hmm. what does he want? You know, the the first thing we do before we eat is we, we pray, we give thanks. You know, those first fruits. He's not asking for everything, you know, sure. uh, at that point, all the fruit. Yeah. He wants the first fruits, yeah. right? So that's a, that's a, that's a principle best. that yeah. if we remember, um, that's that automatically changes your... I guess your posture mm-hmm. to what's important and orders your orders your life from the very beginning of a day. So there's a poem I love about days, and I'll, I'll read it and I'll just talk about it. It's very short. Um, it's called Days. What are days for? Days are where we live. They come, they wake us, time and time over. They are happy to be in. Where can we live but days? Ah, solving that question brings the priest and the doctor in their long coats running over the fields. I love the idea that days are there for us to shape us, hmm. right? Days are there. He get, and, and, and they end, too, right? You have a bad day. <clears throat> that's going to end. Yeah. You'll go to sleep, and a new day's coming. Yeah. You know, and, and his mercies are new every morning. God give God talks in these cycles mm-hmm. of, of birth and death, and it includes, you know, getting a chance to, to reboot. How many times do we get a chance to reboot? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so um, I, I like that idea, and that, 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 that helps, too, remembering, okay, we can, I'll give God the first part of this day. Yeah. Or maybe, and also, if I can, I'll give God the last part of the day. 
there's these, you know, a lot of prayer books. There's a morning and an evening prayer. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites is uh, John Bailey's uh, Diary of Private Prayer. So he's got for 30 days or 31 days and nights, he's got a morning and evening prayer. It's just one page. And the, and the morning prayers are really focused on, you know, giving God that first, allowing him and his, his values to saturate you before you go into the day. And at the end, most of them, and usually I, I don't get to the evening prayers. I'll do my morning prayer. <laughs> I know, right? And I don't barely remember any of the, or, yeah. or even get to. I don't, I don't use, use it for that. But when I have, and I, I've done this, I've done, we, we, I did this once or twice. It's sporadic with, uh, with Kitty even, you know, as we're, before we go to bed. I'll read one of the prayers. And, and they're so confessional. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's as if, you know, the, the, the author, uh, John Bailey, knows very well. There's probably not been a great day. You, you failed in I some respect. Yeah. yeah. So it's all these confessions. That's not like the morning prayers at all. Yeah. But it's so important. And Kitty will be like, wow, you're, you, you're really bad. <laughs> you know? and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, well, you were praying this together. Remember, darling, we were praying this together. Are you familiar with the, have you heard of the prayer of examine before? I think, it, I think it was St. Ignatius that came up with it, but it's similar in terms of what you're talking about, how you end your day, you could end your, your day with God as well. And I don't do this, and I've, I've always aspired to actually do this prayer, but it's just a way at the end of the day of, of consciously reflecting on how the day went and just trying to identify, okay, where was God at today? Because he was, he was working. He's right. alive. He's well. He's in me. He's, right. he's doing things. And so often yes. we're so oblivious to his work. Yes. So it's a way of pausing quiet before yeah. him. End of the day. Okay, God, where were you? Like, where were you working in a situation? Where did I miss it? You know, right. I mean, where was an opportunity that I didn't grab on? And not so you can condemn yourself, but just so you could be aware right. of his, right. his work. Right. And so, again, I'm not someone that does that faithfully, but it's no, been such but that's, a... That is so important, right? That's, a, again, part of paying attention. Yep. Paying attention not just to what's going on, you know, in your life, but to everything around you, and taking the time to do that to remember, right? Yeah. How many, how much of the Old Testament is about remembering, yeah, and and marking days, and and uh, we're so and, forgetful. And we we are, mm-hmm. yeah, and I love that. At the end of the day, I mean, that's very particular, and that's that also focuses your your uh, your priorities, you yeah. know. To, how, how did I do today? Yeah. <laughs> how did Give I do? Myself a test and I'd love score, yeah. to see how God did, you know, in spite of how I did. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. So in one of our conversations, we were talking about, or you were sharing how among these practices, uh, one that has been, been valuable to you, one that you've really taken a, a sincere interest in is sharing a story, sharing your story, right. just, just storytelling, just sharing stories. Right. And, I'd love to kind of hear your passion behind that and just kind of just hear you just share kind of like, are you talking about testimony? Or are you talking about just life experiences and, and why, why is it important to you? Well, um, I mean, I've always, I've always been interested in, in other people's lives, you know, starting when I, when I was a kid and, and, uh, I remember I, I did say we had very positive, uh, experience you know, growing up in, in church and the adults there, they, these were, you know, adventurers, you know, mm-hmm. you, you'd come as like you were at a roadside inn and people would come in telling you these stories and they were animated and they were fun. And it was not this kind of stoic, fake, you know, everyone looks the same, wearing the same clothes. Yeah. Everyone who came to church was, you know, was different in their own way. And we attracted some characters because we were, we were a little, we were a little different anyway. We were definitely um, 
necessarily like using high church, low church, but we were we were in the low church. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was rough unadorned, yeah, yeah, rough cut pine timber. You well, know, that's what we were. Yeah. And uh, and so we attracted all kinds of folks, but I they were so so much fun to spend time with. They were real characters. And so um, I do believe that most, you know, everyone's like that or can be like that. If they're not, it's sad because something has, has hampered them. Something has, you know, you know uh, made them feel like they need to be dull and boring and, and like someone else when they're not really being who they are. Like God has created so many uh, gifts and distributed them in a way that's amazing. It's a symphony or it's a garden. It's everything working together for his glory. And you, you start to see that when you pay attention. So it's always rewarding to, to get to know somebody a little deeper. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you're finally talking to someone and, and, and they're, you, you're talking about something that they care about, mm-hmm. something that they're passionate about, you learn something more about them that, that no one else maybe knew, mm-hmm. right? But it's just finding what that is. Um, and I think God has given us people too, right? I mean, they're part of the gifts that he's given us, our, our, our people and, and the lives they've lived. So you don't have necessarily have to, to live that life, but they're also gifts to you. One important discipline is telling your testimony. I think it's, it's a trust exercise to share your life with someone in a, in a room. And it does take a while to warm up to that. But it's, it's very satisfying because I think lives, I think we're, our lives are built to, to be shared. They're not built to be uh, hoarded. Mm. And I'm certainly, that's my temptation is to, is to hoard my life mm. and not share it. Um, and that's not what we were designed for. Our part is to share ourselves. I think that's, that's key. That's part of what we're supposed to learn is what that means and to trust that that, that is by design, that we are uh, better when we share ourselves with others and they share themselves with us. We become something more. Yeah, I could just speak personally to that and say that with your, your, your church experience back in Connecticut with this rough around the edges, you know, ragtag bunch of right. believers, like they sound like they were more open to sharing their stories about who God is is and what he's done in their life. And, and I could just say from my own experience, those are the kinds of people that I am so drawn to as opposed to the other. And I'm, I'm not speaking like, you know, I've, I've certainly had my fair share of putting on a veneer and, and being fake or hoarding, as you said, and and not wanting to open up. Because like you said, it takes time. It, there's a lot of trust that needs to be involved there. But when, when someone has been really real about their story and shared that with me, um, that is so enlivened my own faith and mm-hmm. it's it's made me feel less alone i think we can we could so right. easily feel alone right like i'm the only one that's gone through this part in my story and i'm the only right. one that's felt this way in my story and i can never let people into that and then you hear someone else share it and you're like oh like <laughs> right. i'm not the only one that's experienced that or right. encountered that or felt that way and so i think there's a I think it's powerful because it has a way of, of drawing us in to one another, to this community that God wants. Right. Like when someone opens up in a very vulnerable way like that and shares their story, it, it draws me in. And I want to I want to be more deeply connected with right. others. And I want to be more deeply connected to God. And I want to be more open and vulnerable. And Sure. It, yeah, it's powerful. Everyone wants to be honest and truthful. Ultimately, it's just that they don't trust that it will play well or that they will pay some price for it that's too costly. Um or they'll be embarrassed or, or whatever um, because because of sin. And it takes time. Like you said, it does take time to see 
can I, can I trust this person? Can I, can I trust them with my story? Right. And it's going to involve risk either way. You know what I mean? At a certain point, right. you got to step out and do yeah. it. Yeah. So kind of wrapping up the conversation. So just to the person listening, who's listening to this conversation, we've talked about all kinds of stuff, but they're maybe they're, they find themselves in a place where they're stagnant in their faith. Um, they've just been kind of existing, just kind of floating. Um, and they want to grow. They want to go deeper in the relationship with, with, with Christ. Maybe they end up joining this group you're doing. Maybe they, they don't, but they'd still just want to go deeper in the relationship with Christ and, and become a more faithful disciple. Where would you advise them to start? I think that the key is you need to just, you know, you need to wedge, stick a wedge in, in a part of your day and gradually, you know, try to open that up a little more time, a little more time, a little more time, but start, just start with the practice uh, as with anything, if you want to, you want to build a habit. You know, any exercise you do is is better than no no exercise. Any place, any place you start, any time, you know, with five minutes lifting, you know, weights a day. Okay, yeah. that's a start, yeah. right? Because you're building a you're building a habit, and that's what I would say with 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 the quiet time. I mean, yeah, everyone knows that they've been told it, but it is transformational, and I think people who have that and have been transformed that need to tell people that. Right, so this isn't something that's just, you know, the right thing to do. It really it does make a difference. It makes a big difference in my life. It gives me a peace throughout the day to start in the morning. So I'll get up, I'll get up around, and not everyone's a morning person. I wasn't until maybe three or four years ago. I hated getting up early, but I realized that was the only time I could actually get some quiet, and I just had to go to bed earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to go to bed earlier, uh, but but it was such a great. Uh, I just learned to love it and would carve out a little more and a little more, a little more uh, every time. So where, um, you know, I've got about 30 minutes, but it didn't start that way. It started with just five minutes, 10 minutes. If I could carve out 10 minutes, you know, heaven forbid, I I could think I can do that. And so, um, and then I have, you know, I would too start with, you know, a prayer book. Um, there, there are lots out there and, you know, this, uh, diary of private prayer. Um, I mean, you can get that online, but it's, a it's very, it's, it, you know, appeals to, it's orthodox. Um, it's, they're, they're beautiful. They're packed with, with scripture references. Everyone I've shared that with, it just helps me because my prayer life, I say the same thing. I find myself saying the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, it's a way to direct your attention to, you know, being generous throughout the day, to remembering people who are sick or to being grateful for this or that. And and it kind of just guides you through. And as you go through, you're saying, amen, amen. I agree with that. Yes, I mm-hmm. want to do that. I want to be that way. And so from the very beginning of the day, you you have that. No, that's good. I, I, I've used uh, Valley of Vision, the Puritan yes, prayers. Right, S- right, similar right. concept. Mm-hmm. It's like when you when your prayers just grow stale and, and yeah. rote. Right. It's a way to give new language. Right. And, and beautiful language. And right. Poetic language. <laughs> right. And yes. uh, it really does enliven your prayers. If, so if you're if you're listening and you're like, Man, I prayer is hard. Like just pick yeah. up Diary of Private Prayer or yeah. or Valley of Vision and, and right. use that as a form of prayer to God and say, Yes, God, right. I agree. And yes, yeah. God, make this true in my own heart. And yeah. I loved what you said about making sure to share that this time and attention we give to God is transformational. Right. And and it's not always going to be like oh oh my gosh that was incredible like there's a lot of time where it's like any relationship you just put in the time but then there are times like I I was kind of torn on sharing this but this was a few weeks ago 
where it's transformational and I and I don't even know quite how yet. Sometimes you don't really you can't really even understand, but you know it was. And mm-hmm. so I on this this practice of silence, giving God silence. It's very hard. It's very very hard yes. to really truly be silent before right. God. And not not that you can't pray, but really just to give God your pure attention and to sit with the quiet and him and just say, okay, I'm going to center my mind on the reality that God is actually here with me. And so when I do that, it's not every day, um, but I I try to do it often. And I try to do literally a max of five minutes because it's daunting. Yes. (laughs) But I did this a few weeks ago. And a lot of times what you'll encounter is your mind just goes everywhere and it's just distracted and you're thinking about the things you got to do that day. And it's just like, am I just wasting my five minutes here? Because I'm not having that moment with God and I'm, I'm in my mind trying to be quiet, but I just stopped and I'm like, God, I just, I have to let you know, like I'm frustrated by this. I'm trying to be silent before you, but my mind's going crazy. Help my mind to be focused on you. And so I'm trying to, I'm vocalizing that to him and almost instantaneously, I had this vision. I don't know. I don't, I don't have visions or things like that, but it was very unique. This doesn't happen to me. So I was like, this is random, but it was just a picture, a mind picture, I guess Mm -hmm. you could say of me leaning my head on Christ's chest, kind of like John the apostle at Mm -hmm. at the last time or whatever. And I hadn't read that story in a long time. It's not like it was fresh in my mind. It just literally came out of nowhere. And I was weeping on Christ's chest and I don't even know what to do with that. Right. But all I'm saying is I believe that was sure. God. Yeah. And it came yeah. out of nowhere. Right. And it moved me deeply in the moment. And, and I tried to hang on to it in that moment. I just closed my eyes and I said, God, I don't know what this is about. <laughs> why this, why this right. picture is here. Yeah. Um, but it's it spoke def- to me. It, yeah. it really spoke to me emotionally. Right. And I was like, there's something here. And so, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I didn't, and again, those, those moments sometimes are few and far between, but it's all to say when, when you do give God that time and that attention, like he will meet with you. Yes. Um, sometimes you'll be conscious of that. Sometimes you won't, but he's with you. And, you know, generally as a theme, I think it's slow down, mm-hmm. slow down because time is a gift, right? We remember time is a gift. It's there for us to be changed by yeah. if we allow it. You know, and and like with with scripture reading too, I think we read too fast. I remember that. I think I told you about this illustration from uh, Tim Keller. He was talking about how um, he was at a conference and they were to read this passage. And after about five minutes, they were done. Write down everything they got out of it. So on a sheet of paper, they write down what they what they took away from it. He's like, okay, read it again. Take another ten minutes. Same passage. Keep going. So they. Okay, you know, they, they read through it again, and they, yeah, they pick up a few, few more points. He goes, okay, let's do it one more time. Right, do it. Read through it again. This time, you know, really, you know, see what you, you can find. So this is after, this is beyond 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes. They're, they've, they've spent on the same thing. They think they're not going to get anything more out of this. What more am I going to get out of this? But he's like, just take the time. Do it. And uh, and sure enough, you know, people did. They spent time. They, they you, you kind of let go of the first things that come to mind, right? All those first associations. Oh, I know all this. Okay, yeah. this reminds me of this, this, this. Okay. Yeah. Now, you finally, you've got that out of the way. And and finally, there's there's uh, uh, they, they, they find other, other things or insights that they wouldn't have gotten if they stopped reading. after the 10 minutes read. Mm-hmm. And what he asked the audience... Was okay. What are the what are the top things, biggest insights you kind of learned, and when did you learn them? And it was after they spent. It was that last stretch, yeah. that twenty to thirty minutes mm-hmm. of time, and that says something, 
right? Yeah. It says we're, we're cutting out too early. Yeah. And we, we really need to just be okay with, you're not going to not, you know, get something out of it. And mm-hmm. sometimes there's a lot of stuff in the way that you got to just get out of the way. Those first few minutes yeah, is about getting out, you know, yeah, uh, for sure. No, that's good. Um, yeah, so this was great. Yeah, great conversation. It has been great. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate you having um, your Matt. It's been a lot of fun. If this has been helpful to you guys listening, uh, as always, like and subscribe. You can find us on social media. Uh, just posting stuff there, Instagram and Facebook at The Better Way Podcast. Also, leave us a review if you haven't already done that. That definitely helps us uh, get more noticed by other listeners. But yeah, we love you guys. We'll see you guys next time.